The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live. Bryant sends one a deep left way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. Way back in my feet. It could be. Cobweb. 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 Holy cow. Look at the left fielder. He has the ball yet. He has not won. And here comes the cow's out on the field. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us on a wild, woolly Wednesday. Call it what you want. Middle of the work week. Hump day. Glad to have you with us. T.C. Martin. Numbchuck on the other side of the glass. Ballpark Frank out today. But C. Wynn is in the house. Chris Wynn is going to hang out with us for the day. Chopping it up a little bit. C-Win, my man, good to see you in the flesh. What's going on, TC? It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. We got a chance to kind of chop it up and do a show live together. Last time I've seen C-Win, it's usually at the Golden Knights playoff games or, or at the Aces games, so mm-hmm. always good. But, hey, he's a loyal guy. He's a loyal listener. He checks in all the time, and uh, always have appreciated that. And, uh, again, one of our... Uh, Great sports talk uh, brethren in town. So, always good. The pride of uh, Michigan in uh, some parts in Massachusetts and Florida and parts unknown. Weight unknown. The masked C-win executioner. And you know what else is fun too, TC, is I like like to get a little versatility going because I will chime in left and right. You're a music guy. Uh, You can can do it. You can do all. You can go all kinds of different directions, which is what I like about uh, what you're able to do. Thank the you, TC man. Martin show. I appreciate that. And like I said, you never know what you're going to get or what direction we're going to go here. So we could take some sudden left turns, some right turns, maybe even a U-turn every now and then. So definitely all good. All right. Today, uh, Chris Bosio is going to join us uh, as we're talking Major League Baseball pennant races. Very big day, the baseball community today. And I know Boz is, is watching what's happening in Cooperstown today, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame happening, and uh, a couple guys he knows very, very well uh, inducted in Cooperstown today. So we'll talk to Chris Bazio regarding that. And like I said, we've got some serious pennant races, uh, specifically in the NL West as well, too. So we'll dive into that with him. Sam Gordon is going to join us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Of course, Sam, a regular on the program, contributing from the Las Vegas Aces to boxing, the combat sports, and now covering UNLV, both football and basketball. Love talking to Sam. We'll uh, visit with him today. And Angel McCautry. Uh, Love Angel McCautry. And I know a lot of... Las Vegas fans may not be too familiar with her, but you should be. 
because she was just announced as one of the 25 greatest players in WNBA history. That is an amazing accomplishment for an amazing person, uh, amazing career. And Las Vegas Aces fans really haven't got a chance really to see her play because she has had two devastating ACL injuries and basically has not really been on the court for a regular season game going back to 2017. She was actually playing with the Atlanta Dream. She was with that franchise for 11 seasons, carried that franchise on her back into playoff runs. Uh, She was a two-time U.S. gold medalist on Team USA, uh, multiple-time uh, All-WNBA, uh, seven times she was on all the defensive team. And when Bill Lambier had a chance to pick up one of the greatest players in WNBA history, Angel McCautry, going back last year, uh, it was a blessing. And she got injured, actually, against the Aces towards the end of the season, going back into 20, um, you know, 2019, 2018, actually. And then she had to miss that season. And then the Aces signed her. Before the pandemic in 2020, that season, as we know, was in the bubble or the wubble, whatever you call it, in Braden, Florida. And then the Aces made it all the way to the WNBA Championship Series and lost to the Seattle Storm. And Angel McCautry was on the shelf the entire time. So there was this anticipation for her to come back and to play for the Aces and be healthy. And fans at the Mandalay Bay and the Michelob Ultra Arena could see her play. And then what happened? The very first and only, the only mm-hmm. exhibition game, which took place at the Staples Center against the Sparks, she injured her ACL again and was deemed out for this entire season. So Angel McCautry has a birthday on Friday, uh, 34 years old, and she still has not yet being able to take the floor in a Las Vegas Aces uniform and playing for the Aces. So fans really haven't got a chance to see her play. And it's too bad because she is truly well-deserved, one of the greatest WNBA players in its 25-year history. So congratulations to her. Uh, She's my guest tonight on the pregame show for the Aces game. Remember, 6 o'clock start, 5.30 in the pregame. And uh, so... I want to share that interview with our listeners today. Absolutely, and rightfully so. And look, obviously, an injury like this is something that can be devastating, right, to a team and to uh, this franchise, given what uh, they are trying to do this year and what the expectations are with this Las Vegas Aces squad. And so, look, you would hope an Angel's that type of person where she can make a contribution in that locker room. She can be someone who is absolutely effective regarding her experience, right, mm-hmm. what she's been able to go and, and uh, the, you know, the adversity that she's faced and the trials and tribulations she's been going through lately. And I think she can turn that into a positive thing, and she's the type of person that will do that. And this is a – because, look, let's, be, let's face it, the reality is, right, this is a Las Vegas Aces team that is poised and that has a real opportunity to win a WNBA championship here. And so I think that she'll be looking to make any contribution that she can. Mm-hmm. to making sure that thing that 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 becomes a reality right TC yeah and that's exactly what we talked about mm-hmm. it, how she's basically became a mentor to a lot of these players not just the young players but even yeah. the veterans as well too because again it, to put it in context for people that don't follow the WNBA but this, this would be like having Clyde Drexler Michael Jordan you know mm-hmm. you know how the, the NBA years and years ago you know honored their Top 50. Carl Malone. This would be like someone like that. John Stockton coming into your team. And it's like, wow, we've got this person. 
uh, you know, then season ticket sales would shoot up. Uh, your chances of winning a championship would increase. You'd be the favorite, which pretty much they were. So Asia Wilson, reigning MVP, Liz Cambage coming back, and a healthy Angel McCautry, that's why this team was going to be the favorite. Now, you've had injuries. Angel never got on the court. Liz Cambage had her, had her issues, mm-hmm. down with COVID again. But still, despite all that, the Las Vegas Aces have the number two seed right now, looking up at the Connecticut Sun by two games. But there's Seattle behind them. The Minnesota Lynx coming to town tonight have won five in a row, five in a row, are a game and a half behind the Aces. This is a playoff light game tonight. And Bill Lambeer has called it out to his team. He said, this is the most important game of the year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of coaches won't do that, as you know. They, right. won't, they, will, they, they want to downplay any regular season game. Well, the Aces only have you know, four regular season games left. They only have two home games tonight and then Monday afternoon against Dallas. And then that's it, two road games. And then they are ready for the playoffs. And they have to have one of those two seeds because if you have a top two seed, you get the double bye. And when you've got teams like Phoenix now who's won nine in a row, you've got looking up at UConn, or Connecticut who's won nine in a row, and now you've got the Minnesota Lynx who's already beaten the Aces twice this year. They've won five in a row. So this is some exciting times. And if people have not gotten out to the Mandalay Bay, and you really haven't been able to, but now you can because tickets are now available to the general public. And uh, this is an opportunity to, to support this team. And we've talked about this a lot, C-Win. Who's going to be the first team in Las Vegas that has a parade going down Las Vegas Boulevard? I don't think there's any question that's going to be the Las Vegas Aces. And it's uh, a very fine, right. good possibility that it could be in 2022 mm-hmm. that they actually do do this. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, excuse me, late 2021. Yeah. Uh, or next year. Yeah. 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 When they're so, completely healthy. Yeah. The, yeah. There's no question. I don't think that that, that is absolutely the possibility. It, it is interesting that you bring up uh, Coach Lambeer, and it's kind of strange for me to say Coach Lambeer being right. the, the trite guy that I am, you know, memory of the bad boys as a kid. But uh, Coach Lambeer, it is interesting. He does take that approach, right, where regular season games matter. It's not just about the postseason. It's about what they can do in the regular season and putting themselves in the best position to make a run at that championship. And so that, to me, uh, that, that, that stuck with me when you brought that up regarding Coach Bill Lambeer there. Yeah, you know, and uh, got a chance again to talk to him today. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, so an uh, interview from Angel McCautry, you'll hear that a little bit later on, as well as the pregame show night and Bill Lambeer as we get ready for tonight's game. So looking forward to that at 6 o'clock tonight. Um, so speaking of which, I, you know, I brought up – and we talk about this a lot, about how sports in Vegas has really evolved. You've been around here a long yeah. time. I've been around here a long time. This is actually my second stint here. Not, you know, the first time I was here throughout the 90s, yeah. you know, there, there was nothing here. It was UNLV and, and nothing else. And we talk about how successful the Aces have been and the Golden Knights have been. Well, let's give a, a, a latest update here with the Oakland A's. As, as we know, there have been plenty of talks with the A's brass here in Las Vegas, you know, talking to members of, uh, you know, the the commission, city council, everybody of that nature. Well, the, the latest is that the A's have hit another speed bump with the city of Oakland and Alameda County. And uh, they've been pitching for this billion-dollar waterfront stadium uh, there in Oakland by Jacqueline and Square, which would be a beautiful spot. But, again, this has gone on and on and on. This goes back nearly 20 years. And the problems that led to the Raiders leaving Oakland originally to L.A. and then coming back to Oakland and then eventually having the Raiders leave to come to Las Vegas last year 
it's all centered around Libby Schaff and the the the, the county and mm-hmm. all of all of their people there, and they are still at odds. And it sounds like right now that the A's are finally saying, you know what, we're done with this. We're, we, as much as we'd like to stay in Oakland, but they can't stay in Oakland. Same reason Mark Davis couldn't stay in Oakland with that stadium. They're not going to upgrade it. Uh, the facilities are horrendous. The, the neighborhood has never been uh, improved. It's the same neighborhood that I was going to games when I was a kid uh, there for, to go see the Warriors and to see the Raiders back in the day. And it, it is time. And if the city of Oakland in Alameda County is not going to provide a better working structure or working facility there, because the A's do have fans. And people want to say, well, that, that place always looks empty. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're playing in the old, you know, round, you know, cookie cutter stadium like we used to see with in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and Three Rivers and Riverfront. You know, nothing's changed. And it's really not that great of a place to go watch football or baseball. And they do need a smaller park that's going to do exactly what it did for the Giants. Now, the Giants always had a little bit, you know, a uh, bigger fan base. But when the A's were winning, the A's would draw 30, 40, sometimes yeah. even 50,000 fans as well, too. So you have to win. But people want to go to the ballpark nowadays for the ambience. So this is where it's at right now. And I was interviewed months and months ago when this first story broke. And I said, I do believe that Major League Baseball is going to come to Las Vegas. And I believe that it is going to be A's. And it makes a lot of sense. Now, what that means for the Aviators, that's another story. But at this point in time, it looks like Las Vegas is the leading candidate. My question to you and anybody else, and if anybody wants to ju- jump in with this, I would love to hear it from our listeners. What is too much sports in Las Vegas? What is too much? If you want to chime in, 702-221-7283. 702-221-7283. First-time callers, love to hear from you. Tell me, how much of the sporting environment can we take in Las Vegas? So, 2017, we got the Vegas Golden Knights, mm. all right? Expansion team, okay? Not in hockey territory. We saw what happened. But a lot of the, the, the pomp and circumstance was because it was new. It was the first of its kind. Let's be honest, UNLV was not doing that well. Definitely in football and definitely not in basketball. And that was the only game in town. Then the Aces come in 2018. And, again, kind of a new product a lot of people weren't familiar with. Familiar with basketball, familiar with the NBA, but not so much the WNBA. The Aces started doing well, and they started drawing. Then came the lights, you know, mm-hmm. basically with the hopes of Major League Soccer, you know, you know coming, which now we, we're going to get that. So you've got that. Here come the Silver Knights, you know, one season into it now. And now we're going to have arena football come back again for many, many what, times. Fourth or fifth time, yeah, it, it seems it, like. It, yeah. it, it, exactly. And all those are locked in stone. The NBA is still targeting Las Vegas to come here. Major League Baseball and the A's are the closest to now, you know, coming here. So for a city that is continuing to grow, but still has a lot of transplants, you know, and then let's again, let was throw in the Raiders, which of course is another transplanted team, but it is the National Football League. How many teams can this community hold where they all could be successful? Okay, so TC, you posed the question, what is too much? Okay, and we are in a room full of sports guys right here, right? You and I have covered and done sports radio in this town for a long time. I would venture to say the, re- the opinion in this room would be that 
there's no such thing. Okay, uh, that would be my viewpoint as far as what is too much. Now, look, you also have to look at uh, the reality of the situation. We are a growing city, as you pointed out. Uh, we do have, I don't know the exact numbers, but I, I suspect it's in, in the neighborhood of over 2 million residents now in two the metropolitan area yep, yep. here in the Las Vegas, Henderson, slash North Las Vegas area and, and, uh, and surrounding communities as well, too. There's nothing really around us either. You know what I mean? We are, we are basically one entity. It's not a situation like in places where, say, for example, Orlando, Florida, right, where the rationale for not having more teams, even though the population is huge in, in the Orlando, Central Florida area, there's a reason why they don't have an NFL team there, okay? It's because the Buccaneers are an hour away, okay? There's a reason why they don't have a Major League Baseball team there, because there is the Tampa Bay Rays an hour away. That's not the situation here. So that would be my rationale for saying that I absolutely think that Las Vegas, you know, just uh, in, in an open-minded viewpoint here, absolutely could support the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, and the NBA, the WNBA, as well as Major League Soccer. Okay? That's what I think they should do here. Now, look, we understand we do have the aviators here, and there's going to be, have to be discussions regarding what the logistics are going to be, whether or not they're, they're even going to be able to play in this area. You know what I mean? Because of uh, what minor league baseball, the rules are as far as major league baseball and minor league baseball. Um, and as far as the Las Vegas lights, I mean, come on, we have to be realistic here and understand yeah. if there's a major league soccer franchise, the Las Vegas lights are going to be going elsewhere, yes. probably to a smaller city yeah. somewhere in the South, whatever. The point being is that, I absolutely, TC and Numchuck, think that this town in the next decade is going to have every major sports franchise here. They're going to have the NBA. They're going to be. I, I got to be honest with you, TC. I thought the NBA was coming first. I oh, really did. I think we all did. With yeah. the popularity, obviously, of UNLV basketball over the years, and you can talk about you know, what's transpired over the past decade. Yeah, it hasn't been great. But I really thought this is, this is a basketball town. I thought the NBA would be here, be here first. Wasn't the case. Golden Knights came here. Remarkable story. It's been great. The support's been great. And it's, I think it'll continue to thrive. But I absolutely believe there will be an NBA franchise here sooner than later. From what you just talked about regarding the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball, I think there's absolutely the possibility that Major League Baseball could be here within the next five years. And uh, also the MLS, of course, as we talked mm-hmm. about. So that would uh, pave the way, obviously, for having uh, us on par with other major American cities. Right, TC? Mm-hmm. Let's think about it, okay? We, I have Midwestern roots. You, you, you yourself, uh, you know, family Midwest, and also but you're a, a California guy, too. There are cities across this country, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to Kansas City, Missouri, to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Their population bases are much smaller than Las Vegas, okay? They don't have, you know, the tradition in certain sports— i.e., you know, the NBA with the Oklahoma City Thunder or, you know, the Milwaukee with, uh, with the Bucks. although the Bucks have been around a while. My, the point being is there's a lot of cities out there that you can make the case should not have teams, and they have all four major sports teams, okay? And you could even, I mean, look, Detroit is, is my home state. Detroit is in my home state, and uh, a huge metro- metropolitan area, 5 million people, so it's kind of a bad example, but... The city itself only has like seven, eight hundred thousand people left in it. Right. The point being is that the demographics and uh, 
population is shifting all across the country. And so it kind of changes the whole ability to look at cities in a way from a sports angle and say, oh, yeah, they should have a team in so-and-so league, so-and-so league, so-and-so league. You know, and the fact of the matter is there are plenty of places out there, and I'll cap it off by saying this, that are not fast, uh, one of the fastest growing cities in America, like Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. that don't have the interest that they would have here in this town regarding the NBA, for example, and Major League Baseball, in my opinion. So I think there's absolutely uh, the the right answer to me and the final answer is Mm -hmm. they could absolutely sport every single league in this town. I think I totally agree with that, 100%. And for these reasons, when a team is looking to relocate and a a league itself is looking to expand into another market. The things that they look for are growing population. Mm -hmm. They're looking at facilities. They're looking at fan bases. And what is the history of other sports, professional sports teams in that market? And guess what? Las Vegas checks box after box after box after box. And with the gambling issue totally out of the way now, Gone 180 degrees from like, whoa, that's taboo, which everyone thought just as as few as five or six years ago. Now that is being embraced. Absolutely. It's embraced from a business side and also from a recreational side as well, too. You have hotel space. You can have your marquee events here. Super Bowls, all-star games, you know. Lo and behold, if you have championship series or, you know, you, you, you can have that and have people come here and have all these other things to do on top of it. And plus, it's a clean city. The weather is never a factor. And all of the facilities that these teams are now playing in have either been built brand new or they've been upgraded. So, again, Las Vegas is the number one choice and will continue to be the number one choice for every sports league and these teams that are floundering in their current cities or if somebody wants to you know st- start afresh and like hey we, we want expansion let's you know, let's own let's own this team and let's go to las vegas let's pitch it to them so that brings me to my next point is like say the a's come here all right and i don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people have really thought about this but it begs the question yep. should the a's be rebranded now before you answer that think about it oakland a's it's, an, it, it's not a national team, okay? The Raiders came, and they're a national brand, but more importantly, it's the National Football League. And I go to some examples, like what happened in Tennessee. They weren't the Tennessee Oilers. They well, wanted to rebrand. Yeah, but the, but the reason why is because well, the Oilers, the obvious connection with Texas and oil and the oil industry, my, I got that. Okay, but we've so seen So there that. wasn't that in Tennessee. There wasn't that connection. No, but throw that out, though, because same thing happened with Utah. Okay? Utah Jazz, are you kidding me? They decided they didn't want to rebrand. Mm-hmm. The Tennessee said, we want to rebrand because we want to start afresh. But we've got a franchise who's moving, so we just don't want to be called the Oilers. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean... Kept all the colors, though, and everything. Right. But they did to to tie in a little bit of history. But the reason they did it, and they veered off a little bit with the dark dark blue and all that, you know, incorporating that, which the Houston Oilers never did. But the reason they did it, that community said, we want our own team. And I I think, you know, that's important here. And we've seen other teams that have gone the routine as well. Baltimore. They weren't the Browns. They didn't want it was same ownership, but Baltimore says we don't want the Browns. 
That's Cleveland's team. We've had a rivalry from the Colts to the Browns. We don't want part of that. Mm-hmm. We want new colors. We want to rebrand. And then the Browns ended up getting the Browns. But again, remember, the Browns are the Ravens. That's who that is. And then there have been other teams that have said, okay, we're going to keep it. We use the Cardinals as an example. St. Louis Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals. Well, really, when you look at it, how passionate are those Phoenix and Arizona Cardinals fans really are? How have they been? Really not so much. Whether it's they're not winning, I know that has a lot to do with it. Maybe it's that community. But it does beg the question, if teams rebrand. And you look at the Aces. They were the Silver Stars. They were the Utah Stars. They were the San Antonio Silver Stars. They came here. They said, we're not going to be the Stars. We're going to rebrand and be the Aces. Boom. Success. So to respond to your question, though, that should they rebrand, and yes, my initial reaction immediately was absolutely not. Okay? And you talked about it not being a national brand. No, it's not really a national brand. But it also isn't just an Oakland thing, right? They start out in Philadelphia, okay, and move the team from Philadelphia. They're the A's slash athletics, okay? And while it isn't a national brand, it is a name, I think, that baseball fans identify with as uh, as that franchise. And so much like when we think about it, and look, it's kind of a different situation regarding the Oakland Raiders moving to Las Vegas and, the, and Las Vegas keeping the Raider name. We all know why they did that. There's a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Number one, you talked about the uh, fact that they have a monstrous worldwide fan base. That is Raider Nation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and by the way, they moved the team to Vegas, which if you want to talk about a more Raider-esque city to be in, you know, the rebel without a cause, the, yep. you know, against the grain, we do things our own way type of mantra, just win baby Al Davis, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. It fits perfectly into the city of Las Vegas with the Las Vegas Raiders. With the A's, obviously that wouldn't be the same type of feeling. Yeah, because but to me, I just like the name. Yes. I, I like the colors. And we're used to I it, like too. It, and we're used to it. Yeah. As You and I, we're, we're all right. in the same age group. Yeah. As baseball fans mm-hmm. who go back to the 70s, I you just think of it, that A's, I think it is uh, an iconic brand. It's not a it's not a, a brand that you know everybody across that are fans of all different sports, but not necessarily baseball, will just jump on and say, oh, yeah, the A's, I, you know. I love this, but it, it still is recognizable, and like you just like you just pointed out, and that I'm pointing out right now, as baseball fans, I enjoy it. So I think, and I think it would be be great if they were the Las Vegas A's. But, but is it a hill I'm going to die on though? If if TC, if they do decide they want to change, I'm not going to go nuts. I'm not right. going to be like, okay, that's a, that's the dumbest thing ever. But I still think, in my own personal opinion, would like them to keep it. Yeah, and. I would be totally fine with that. Again, just using examples because there are a lot of people that don't like transplant teams. Yep. They don't like them. They they want organic. They want and part of the reason why the Golden Knights uh, were were sold immediately to the public here was like, hey, you know, this isn't the Calgary Flames. This isn't you know somebody else. This is this is our own thing. Mm-hmm. And again, so it's comparable, and I use the Ravens thing as comparable too. You talk about history. I push back on the Ravens thing because they look. The Browns are more iconic than anything. But I'm telling you right now, the mindset, ownership, especially people that are much younger than us, right? TC, the mindset is the Browns thing is long gone, my friend. They are all in. It's ever since the Ravens won two Super Bowl rings, it is absolutely transformed over. Yes, well, they started out as the Browns. That's where I'm going. But the mentality isn't that they are still the Browns. No, that they just happen to change over the to, to the Ravens. It is through and through 
Raven fandom as yeah, far but, as ball but, lovers. But, but I'm not putting this in the present. I'm putting right. this when they actually relocated exactly. yeah. uh, at that conversation. And, it, and again, most uh, everyone knows, you know, again, if you're 35 uh, or younger, you mm-hmm. don't even know who the Houston Oilers were. Right. You know, that's all you know is the Tennessee Titans. So, again, just put it in perspective from a time frame and what we're dealing with here. Could that happen? And yeah, let's, let's be honest. I mean, the A's are probably, the along with the Tampa Bay Rays, they've had success, but, they, you know, they're still on that, that lower end as far as popularity. And it's funny, TC, you bring up the Tampa Bay Rays. You're talking about the stadiums, right? Yeah. I've been to almost every Major League Baseball yeah. stadium. Two worst, and it's not even close. Right. Two worst. Correct. Tropicana Field in Tampa, and obviously Oakland, yes. Alameda Coliseum, or whatever they call it now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll continue to follow the story, but interesting, you know, thoughts uh, with that. And again, uh, you know, there's there's been great articles that have been written. We've talked about it here as well too. This this is a great sports city. It's mm-hmm. turning into that. It was the, you know, entertainment capital of the world, the boxing capital of the world, and now it is the the sports. And entertainment capital of the world, and it is fantastic. And you will see, uh, you know, more and more rumors fly. More and more owners are going to want to move their teams here. Leagues want to be invested in Las Vegas, but uh, then again, there there is that point of like, okay, can this city support that? And the bottom line is, here's the bottom line: you win, they're going to come. That's it. Everybody wants to support winners, plain and simple. All right. Speaking of winners, uh, Chris Bosio is going to join us. We come up next. He's got a World Series ring as a pitching coach of those Cubs back in 2016. Also a no-no back in the day when he pitched for the Mariners. And he's got some heavy thoughts, too, on the Major League Baseball pennant races as well as huge ceremony in Cooperstown where he's got some stories to share about that as well, too. It's T.C. Martin, C-Win on a Wild Wednesday. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Uh, don't forget, we're back at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on Fridays. That's right. Uh, Mike Pritchard is going to be joining us, the former wide receiver, Las Vegas' very own. We dive into the best bet segment. Here we go. College pro. It's all there. Looking forward to uh, you. Come on down and join us at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas every Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. Yes, come and check it all out. And also, don't forget, our Picks for OV contest happening as well, too. You can compete against myself, Ballpark Frank. Even Numchuck as well, too. And uh, we've got free entries. Normally, it's a $50 entry fee for to get in the Picks for OB contest. And definitely, it celebrates a great charity for 54 years. Opportunity Village has been doing it here in Las Vegas. Uh, very proud to say, uh, you know, I've been associated with them for the past four or five years. Love it. And uh, it, it's great. Four campuses benefiting adults with intellectual disabilities. And uh, it's a $50 entry fee. You pick all the games, NFL games, against the point spread. And you're competing for valuable prizes, staycations, golf outings, dining options, uh, great prizes. And uh, they, they pay out, uh, you know, through the, the you know, top 10. So uh, get involved in the contest. It's only $50. But you can compete for free. For free. Just call us. We're getting, I'm, I'm feeling generous today. We'll give out a couple today. Yeah, we'll give out two. Numbchuck will an- answer it for you, okay? 221-7283. 702-221-7283. Jump on board and say, Picks for OV, I'm down. We'll register you, and you can play for free and win some valuable prizes. And more importantly, just honor and celebrate and support a great community in Opportunity Village. All right. Major League Baseball. 
Mm. Yes. We're Cooper. getting down to the grind, TC. It is. Cooperstown today, too. Very, 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 very uh, big day. Why we're doing it on a Wednesday and we're celebrating yeah. the class of 2020, that's a little, a little odd. But uh, at least uh, Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, uh, Marvin Miller, the labor union leader, all being honored today in Cooperstown. And uh, let's talk about it with uh, our guy, my guy, the Sacramento Sports Hall of Famer, Chris Bosio. What's up, Boz? What's up, TC? How you guys doing? Hey, we're doing good, brother. Doing good. All right, so uh, your thoughts. I, I know how you feel about Hall of Fames and everything, uh, you know, close to your heart. And uh, you saw a guy that you know pretty well get inducted today in Ted Simmons, didn't you? TC, you know, when I, when I start watching these Hall of Fame ceremonies, I, I, I swear to God, I, it's a throwback for me because a lot of those guys I played against, a lot of those guys I learned from. You know, all four of those gentlemen had an impact in my career. Marvin Miller, I mean, he, he started back in 1972, like Donald Fear said. Donald Fear was our labor leader, and I, I, w- I went through three strikes myself. Right. I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit, but I was, I was one of those guys. I was one of those guys that was united with the Players Association when it was hard, when it really – it meant something, and you were fighting for players that got hurt to be able to get the pension. You know, because most guys aren't, they're not able to play 10 year careers. I was lucky. You know me, TC. I've had 19 operations. I was lucky to get my 10 years in, and I barely walked off that mound with really bad knees. Right, right. And, and Marvin Miller paved the road for Major League Baseball players and their families. Forever. I mean, he just is a very, very touching thing by Don, and I'm glad they included Marvin. You know, Larry Walker and I, I mean, we played the spring training games all the time when they were down in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Derek Jeter and I came up in 96. You know, in 95, that's when we beat the Yankees and went on to the American League Championship when I was with Seattle against the Cleveland Indians. And the next year, we traded Tino Martinez and Jeff Nelson off of a team that was playing for the American League Championship to the team we had just beaten, the dreaded Yankees. And what they do? They went on and won four World Series rings after that. Yes. and uh, but, but the, Go ahead. Go ahead. The guy, that, the guy that, to me, was the most impactful for me, and this is the, the story I, I shared with you, was, was Ted Simmons, Simba. My first big league camp, I was drafted out of high school, I decided to go to Sac City College. Jerry Weinstein said, Fazio, you throw 92. I can make you throw 97. And he did. And I got drafted in the second round by the Brewers. Two years later, I was in big league camp. Dressed to the gills at the crack of dawn when the sun coming up. Pete Vukovic, Ted Simmons were sitting in the locker, literally in underwear. And Simba was in a jock strap, flip-flops, and a half T-shirt, drinking a cup of coffee, smoking a heater. And the pitching coach comes walking down the hallway, and he goes, Bosio, heard a lot about you. He goes, look at you. You're ready to go, aren't you? I said, yes, sir, I am. And I was, TC. I was ready because I was taking someone's locker. That was my, my motive. Yeah. And Simmons started laughing at me, and he goes, you're ready to go, huh, kid? And he looked like he had just finished eight cases of beer from the night before. It was spring training. That's what these guys did back then. And he goes, all right, kid, let's go. Stands up, and all he's got is a jock strap on. He starts walking down the path, 
And we were over at, it was our first year in Ocotillo, and this was in 1985. This was his last year. And walking down the path, and I'm looking at him, I'm like, this guy for real? And Herm Strett was our pitching coach. He goes, yep. And Vuki started walking behind. We go to the bullpen. I start throwing to Simba. He goes, all I heard about was fastballs, kid. All I heard about was fastballs. All right, that's a pretty good fastball. You got a changeup? And I had no changeup. I, I had no breaking ball. All I threw was gas, four seamers and two seamers. That's how I was taught. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I remember. I, First-hand experience. Yeah, I remember. That's all you had. Go ahead. And, he, and he tried to teach me a changeup. And I swear to you, I threw a pitch, and I thought I saw, like, smoke coming up. And I'm like, oh, just probably the dirt down there from Arizona. Right. He goes, widen your fingers a little bit and tuck your thumb underneath. I, I got big hands, and I – tucked my thumb underneath and the thing like parachuted in there he goes that's how you do it that's how you do it and in one motion i saw him catch the ball throw it back to me drag his cigarette out of the back of his glove he inhaled put it back in his glove and i go dude you smoking he goes that's right kid you didn't even ash it (laughs) i swear i my jaw dropped I could not wait, could not wait to get to the clubhouse to go to a payphone and call my dad and tell him the story. It was the most unbelievable thing. And Vuki, when he came to the back into the clubhouse, he goes, "Cuz, listen, see that guy right there? This guy's going to go in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the smartest men I know. I want you to sit next to him as long as you're in spring training with us." Well, that's the year where Raleigh Fingers was retiring, and Dan Plezak and I were going for the closers role, and Danny Plezak got the he won the job. Hmm. And I go to AAA. Next year, I get called up. The transaction when I got called up, Pete Vukovic went down to AAA, who was my mentor, mm-hmm. and I got called up to the big leagues. Two weeks later, he, he was announcing his retirement, and he goes, "You were the only guy that was going to take my spot." And I was like, man, I, I I just can't believe this happened like this. And he goes, look, we saw you two years ago in spring training. You're a sponge. We tried to give you all the information we can. He goes, now what I want you to do is I want you to spend the winter back here with me in Wisconsin. I was a California kid. You know this. <laughs> I golf all winter. I fish. I go up in the mountains. You know, I snowmobile, all that stuff. He wanted me to stay back in Wisconsin for that winter and another winter, and it was the smartest thing I did. Those guys taught me the game and made me the pitcher and the pitching coach that I am today. I owe a lot to all those guys. Yeah, as a 21, 22-year-old kid, really, basically, and then you come out your very first time, you're throwing to a Hall of Famer in a jockstrap smoking a cigarette. Classic. Classic. Not I couldn't many, believe not it. Not too many guys could say that. Yeah. And uh, you won his respect. There's no doubt about it. So here's a Ted Williams plaque. Now everyone you know has a saying on their plaque there in Cooperstown, and everyone talks about the best plaque is probably Stan Musial's, as it says, "The Man." Well, Ted Williams, uh, Ted Simmons might be challenging for maybe best plaque because now you know what Ted uh, Simmons' plaque description begins with. What do you think it says, Simba. boss? No. Simba. Tough as oh. tough as nails, dude. That was another nickname he had, and I know Lenny Dykstra had that same nickname. Right. But but Simmons had it first. Dude, yeah, he, Simmons had it first. Yeah. 
Simmons was the original Nails because he came up clutch so much. That's why they called him Nails. Chris Basio joins us, uh, the former pitching coach of the Cubs and, of course, the author of a no-hitter back in the day. And uh, we're talking some Major League Baseball great stories. Cooperstown today, Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, and Ted Simmons inducted. And, Chris, uh, this is Chris Wynn here along with TC. TC obviously knows about that whole Wisconsin-California connection thing, right? Being Spending some time in both places. But I have uh, some special pride in my heart today because as a Michigan native, right, getting to see two guys – from my state, obviously Ted yeah. Ted Simmons from Highland Park, and of course Derek Jeter, born and raised in in Kalamazoo. A lot of people very happy in that part of the country to see both of these guys go in. But I, I had to chime in also because I was just petrified growing up as a Tigers fan, seeing those early '80s Milwaukee teams. We're talking about some of the best <laughs> talent put together, right? Whether it's Corman Thomas, obviously Robin Yount, Paul Molitor, Ted Simmons, Ben Ogilvy. I mean, you could go across the board. Jim Gantner. I mean, those talk about those early Milwaukee teams. I mean, look, they went to the World Series, obviously in '82, and, and and they got beat by the by the Cardinals. But that was just an outstanding era when it came to Brewers baseball. Harry Dalton and George Bamberger built an organization, and you know, I, I listened. I chimed into your your show earlier. You guys were talking about Tampa Bay and Oakland. Mm-hmm. Got guys, that's who we were. Yeah, yeah. The, the Milwaukee Brewers. We were in the American League East back then, and it it was called the the Beast back then. And I I learned how to pitch in the American League East, and that was a that was a true blessing because I tell you what, you had to battle, you had to fight, mm-hmm. and most of the time we did. We'd fight, knowing we had to fight to get their respect, and then we'll play the game. Mm-hmm. You know that's just how it was. Tigers, tough. I remember going in there, playing in the double-decker stadium. I remember when they traded Schmoltz for Doyle Alexander, and this guy. Oh, trust me, was we remember that. Unbelievable. <laughs> we Tiger I, fans like, absolutely remember that. Yes. Where did this Doyle Alexander cat come from? You got to be kidding me. Nine and zero, right in that August. Nine I believe. and zero. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, and they were that team was hard. Brookins, obviously Tram and Whitaker and Evans. Oh my God! They were. It was a nightmare going in there, and then they had the big boy fielder. Yes, who could go pole to pole, low to high, and over the roof, and all points in between. Yeah, and let's don't forget the classic uniforms too, with that D, and then yeah. with the the piping, you know, coming around down the middle and all that stuff with that big D. Uh, you gotta love it. Uh, Boz, breaking news. Uh-huh. Uh, so I got the information, and I'm now looking at Ted Lyle Simmons' plaque. And it does start, like I said, with tough as nails when it gets into the description. But, Boz, you're right. You're the winner. Because right underneath it says Ted Lyle Simmons. It says, in quotes, Simba. You know it. <laughs> there it is. So you called it. Well, that's how we, we knew him. Yeah. You know, and uh, the guy was unbelievable. Hey, I want to give a special shout-out to a buddy of mine I know who's listening to your your show right now from Chicago. He's Dr. Ken Candido. He's a huge baseball fan. He's a dear friend of mine, works on a lot of professional athletes, but one of the leading pain management guys and has helped me with my knees. He's helped me with my feet, my shoulders, and my mind. 
He's a good friend, and I hope you're enjoying the show, Ken. All right, Ken, uh, shout out to you. Ken Candino, any friend of Boz, uh, a friend of mine, and Chicago as well, too. You you, got to love that. So nice shout out there. All right, so let's talk about Derek Jeter. Everyone talks about Jeter just being a great face of that Yankee organization and won five World Series, 1,600 games. And, uh, Boz, how well do you remember that play that Derek Jeter's probably will always be associated with. Every highlight when you show Derek Jeter, you have to show the game against the A's. And to reset that for our listeners, you know, Oakland had a 2 nothing lead in that ALDS, but they trailed one nothing in the bottom of the seventh inning. It looked like the A's were going to sweep that series. It was going to be over. That was a game three back on October the 13th, 20 years ago. Exactly 20 years ago. Two outs, Jeremy Giambi's on first. Terrence Long hits a hard grounder uh, over the first base bag into the corner. Shane Spencer, there's a name for you, playing right field for the Yanks, fielded it and overthrew two cutoff men. How about some trivia there? Who? What two cutoff men did he overthrow, C-Win? Chad Curtis. Uh, it was not Chad <laughs> Curtis. Uh, one was a first baseman, one was a second baseman. That should give it away for you. Mark Teixeira? No. Alfonso no. Soriano. And yep. Tino Martinez. Tino Martinez, yeah. Right. Okay. Actually, Tino was not playing first base at that time. He was on the bench. He got replaced. Are you sure about that? Okay. okay. I, was a, I was a scout with the Mariners, oh. and I was at that game. Really? Okay. I, scouted, I was a scout with the Mariners, and I was at that game, and I was getting ready to pack everything up, and I saw that play, and I was like, oh, my God, because I thought we were going to play the A's. We ended up going cross-country playing the Yankees, and they swept the Mariners that year when we won 116 games. Right. See, and and that is the reason I was bringing it up, Boz, because I know there's an association (laughs) with you here. Let's let's relive this play. Doesn't have a stolen base the entire season, so you're not going to run. You're not going to hit and run. you got to wait for a gapper. That is fair down the right field line. Giambi on his way to third, and they're going to wait. Unbelievable. Jeter with one of the most unbelievable plays you will ever see by a shortstop. Both cutoff men were missed. Jeter coming down the line, fielded with his bare hand, a shovel to Posada, and Giambi is out. What an unbelievable play by Jeter. So the Yankees win that game, one nothing. go on to win... Uh, that series, ALDS, go ahead, win the ALCS, and ultimately win the series. And you can actually point to that play as being yeah. the trigger for all of that. You know, I've been really lucky in my career to see a lot of incredible things, and that was the one that just it blew my mind because we did not want to play the Yankees because of the relationship with the Mariners and the Yankees. We had an advantage that year on the A's, and we wanted to play them bad, and it didn't happen. It did not happen, and I saw it, and I remember getting in my car, driving home, and going, wow. <laughs> it's just like that. I I think I just saw probably one of the greatest plays in in, in my history, in, in my history, in, in Derek's history, in, in baseball history. I mean, that, that play is going to go down in 
in baseball, obviously, infamy. I just can't imagine being in a, in a stadium like that. And we've been in stadiums, whether as fans or professionally, like in my, in my world, you mm-hmm. know, broadcasting, that sort of thing. Boz, you being in the game either as a player or, or a coach, and it's something that just really resonates. But a lot of times it's that split second and you don't have the advantage of replay after replay in, in, in TV. And in that instance, it happened so quick. I mean, were you able to take it all in, or was it one of those things? And I'll use the Mike Tyson Evander Holyfield fight when I was there. And I was, I was there, and I go, he's jumping up and down. What, what happened? And people had no idea what had transpired. And I said, yeah. I think he bit him. And the guy sitting next to me in the media section goes, what are you talking about, bit him? I go, well, what else could it be? <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what? Yeah. But, but, you know, my point of the matter mm-hmm. is when you're there, a lot of times, if you're not paying real close attention, mm-hmm. so in that instance, did you fully understand what you just saw? No, I didn't. And I, because everybody froze and we're like, wait a minute. He looked like he was out. How, how can he be safe? <laughs> and then one of the scouts next to me goes, no, he's, he's out, clearly out, you know? And there was no replay. They were trying to show replay up on the scoreboard, but they back then they was you could not show replays up on the scoreboard, you know. And immediately it was taken off, and there's no replay back then. There was no confusion. He's out. So, Bosnia, you know, when the game game was a lot simpler back then. Now, who knows what the calls are going to be? So, Bos, when we think about Derek Jeter, right, and the way we're going to view him now, he's a Hall of Famer. It's going to be more with him, right? Isn't it going to be about him and his persona and his approach to the game? And obviously we played a highlight of his but and his clutch plays and the fact that he was you know, a World Series champion multiple times. Then it's going to be about the numbers, right? We're going to think more about those types of things when you think about Jeter, the Hall of Famer, and his legacy as opposed to, well, yeah, you know, he was, you know, he was an MVP multiple times. You know, obviously because he wasn't an MVP, but the, the point I'm trying to make is it's going to be more about his persona, right? Then it will be about the numbers. I totally agree. I mean, he's, you know, set the standard, you know, I mean, for, for a lot of, you know, young, you know, young players coming Mm -hmm. up watching this kid. I mean, the other thing that amazed me listening to these hall of fame guys is these guys don't get into the hall of fame having 10 year careers. Maybe some of the old timers might've got in there because they were, pitching every two, every three days. But the one thing you're not going to see, and I'm pretty confident saying this, is that, you know, after these Hall of Fame ceremonies, you're not going to see these guys with 17, 18-year careers anymore because it's just too hard. The travel's too hard. Mm -hmm. You know, back when I came up, it was very common to have a four-game series. It was very common to have three three teams coming in for a homestand, giving you a 10-day homestand. Well, when they started doing interleague, things changed. Then the games got shorter. The series got shorter. Now there's more night games because of television and revenue. This is a lot of wear and tear on players' bodies. And I think this is a big contributor to why a lot more players are getting hurt. So, I mean, what these guys did and the amount of seasons that they played. You know, I know Cal Ripken was the Iron Man, and in watching this guy, was unbelievable. I thought Cal Ripken's streak was going to get broke against us when we had the big brawl with Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles. He rolled his ankle so bad, the next day 
They said he was going to go up and hit. Okay? And they went up there and they pinch hit him to get a game appearance, and they took him out during the at-bat just to get the appearance. Right, right. And the streak continued. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that I've seen in my career, but the longevity thing, you know, I'm not going to look back at my career and say, man, I wish I could have pitched five or six more years. Because I gave it everything I had. I, I wore my knees to the ground. But watching that today and watching, and I'm sure future ceremonies, yeah. it really makes me appreciate being a part of that fraternity of Major League Baseball. Yep, no doubt about it. We know how much that uh, you love it and you embrace it and uh, respect it. No question about it. Boz, appreciate it. Let's get you back on here uh, next week, and we can talk about some of these pennant races. And, you know, I want to hit on some pitching stuff with you as well, too. But uh, appreciate uh, the time today. Appreciate the memories, man. Great stuff, as always, from my guy, Chris Bazio. Hey, I'm going to go with Numchuck on the, the picks, too. No no disrespect, TC. <laughs> of course you are. We'll Smart get, man right we'll there, TC. Hey, we'll get you in the contest, brother. We'll get you in the contest. There you go. All right, you guys. Take care, brother. There Thanks, it is. Chris. All right. Uh, Bozio loves firing away. Yep. He'll uh, he'll hit me and say, send me a text and say, hey, uh, I'm going to send you some money. Can you get down for me? Go, no problem, brother. Not a problem. So I know I'll be getting some of that during football season here. No doubt about it. All right. Appreciate Chris Bazio for joining us. On the other side, next hour, B. Sal. Brian Samuels is going to join us from News 3. Talk Vegas stuff with him. Very special day for him. Oh, Sam man, River. Sam Gordon's going to join us as well. We'll talk to Sam and Angel McCautry. T.C. Martin on a wild Wednesday. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the spin, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG. Is now in. Hour number deuce on this Wednesday. TC Martin, ballpark Frank out today. C wind stepping up to the plate today. Off the bench, cold. Utility player. Nah, this guy can go deep. Outfield. Maybe a little third base. How about behind the plate, C wind? How's your knees? My knees are not great, but I am referred to often, gentlemen, as the Swiss Army Knife, right? <laughs> this is All kinds of versatility across the board, my friend. I love it. I love versatility. Yes. Chris Wynn, he's a great follow on Twitter. Go ahead and uh, hit him up there on Twitter, or See Wynn. At Christian Wynn at on Christian. Twitter. And, right. and for all the youngsters out there and not youngsters, I'm over on Instagram, 2TC. Whoa. And Nunchuck. Yeah. See Wynn 77 See? up over there. I had to get I had to get on, too. I, I was dared by the lovely Dr. Christina Madison. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so at TC Martin 21 on Instagram as well, too. There you go. And uh, she said, I'm a natural for that because you post so many food pictures that, that, that I got to be on Instagram. If you were going to dive deep when it came to uh, your culinary <laughs> adventures, you could be, you'd be putting all kinds of pictures up on there, TC. Like you Tons said, of them. versatility. I have yes. that versatility. You do. There it is. So, you know, sports, music, food. Kind of stops after there, but 
That's okay. All-around guy, TC. It's a good <laughs> thing to be. All right. Appreciate Chris Basio joining us last hour, talking about the Hall of Fame induction ceremony today. Just concluded there in Cooperstown. Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, uh, the late Marvin Miller, union, uh, the labor union leader, inducted in to the Hall of Fame here today. And uh, some great stories from Boz regarding uh, Ted Simmons. So great stuff with that and uh, reliving that fantastic play with Derek Jeter and the Yankees and the A's where Basio was there, happened right in front of him as uh, he was just concluding his uh, major league career. He was into coaching and he was scouting you know, for the Mariners mm-hmm. at that point in time. So uh, pretty good stuff here. Speaking of which, I want to throw this in there. The Tampa Bay Rays shortstop, uh, Wander Franco. Yes. Are you familiar with what this guy is doing? I'm not familiar with what he's doing. Oh. Obviously, once he came up earlier this season, much talked about, much anticipated, young yeah. guy with tons of talent. But no, TC, not specifically well, what's going on now. And I bring this up now, and people are going to think this is strange, mm-hmm. but you'll see the connection here in a minute, talking about the Hall of Fame inductees. Franco has reached base in 32 straight games. This kid is 20 years old, and he has just joined the likes of Mickey Mantle, Mel Ott, Archie Vaughn, and Frank Robinson. Oh, by the way, all in the Hall of Fame. Getting on base 32 times in a row. 32 straight games. This kid is only 20 years old, and he's in that kind of company. Don't know too many people at 20 just starting off their Major League Baseball career that can say that. Pretty remarkable that you're in the infancy of your Major League Baseball career and you're able to do this. Impressive, to say the least. So, no question, this is a guy, look, and there, there are what? There's a handful of young talents in Major League Baseball, right, that we are fired up about, TC, right. when it comes to what uh, we expect them to do and what they, what, uh, they are uh, you know, on the eve of doing as young baseball players, and this is just one of those kids that's doing it. Yeah, th- over, over 30 times is impressive, to say the least. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, a lot happening here. Uh-oh, look at this. Bellabim DeVoe is coming in. That can only mean one thing. You know, this is like the gong show. Back in the day, you hear this? That means it's Gene, Gene, the dancing machine. That means it must be the one and only Brian B. Sal. Sam. Uh, <laughs> What's happening, TC? Uh-oh. You got my song. Well, you, want me, you want me to sing it? Jeez. Go ahead, man. You got, this is your segment, Be- brother. B-Sal, I, I know you got some of those early 90s threads stuck back in the deep, deep back in the, in the closet somewhere that you can pop out. Oh, oh. oh I got the cross color and all that. Yep. I got the cross color and all of that. <laughs> Driving me out of my mind. There we go. Okay, go ahead, sing along. I, I can barely hear it though. Okay, go ahead. That's why it's hard for me to find. Can't get it out of my head. Oh, yeah. Look at this. Last, I know the last... dance moves to this video, man. I'm, I'm doing the dance moves to the video of course, right now. Of I course you it. are. Of course you are. See? <laughs> look at this. The last two times. So we had him on in our uh, our T.C. Martin Show uh, Song Fest, yep. and, he, and he got to uh, introduce his own song there, except 
he had the worst introduction of all of our guests. Because back in radio, you know, when you're doing a music format, you're supposed to hit the post. Right. You're not supposed to talk over the words. No, not only did B-Sal miss the post, but he starts singing through the first two and a half minutes of the song. I mean, people wanted to actually hear the song, and they heard B-Sal singing instead. Isn't that what they wanted to hear? I thought that's what they can't. I thought that's what they, I, I'm just giving the people what they want to see and oh, hear. That's the OJs, by the way. Uh, giving the people what they want. There you go. Uh, some, there you go. Buddy. Yes, OJs from Philadelphia, PA, where my parents are from. Yeah. And I know all about the OJs. That's right. That's right, brother. All right. Well, B Sal joins us today because it's his birthday. We had to do this, right? Oh, yeah. We ha- always have to give. Our, our regulars on the program, a shout-out on their birthday. So, B-Sal, happy birthday, brother man. Oh, uh, man, I, I QC, man, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for the shout-out on social media. I saw you you uh, you shouted me out there and having me on, man. Um, yeah, man, 35, man, feels good, man. Feels good. 35? <laughs> 30. You and Angel McCautry are the same age? Is that the deal? <laughs> Our, our bodies are in the same uh, good shape. Hey, how about this? I'm about to interview Angel McCautry today down at the gate. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, you're, you're following me up, bro. There you go. Because you're going to, after you get off, uh, you'll hear her on here right now. So there you go. <laughs> okay. There we go. There you go. I'm in the car, so I'll be listening to it. There you go. You listen. There you go. You, you feel free to ask her the same questions. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, certainly, TV. Peace out, Are you are you coming? Are you coming down to the game tonight? Coming to see me? Coming to see all those Aces fans tonight? Broadcasting live? Yeah, that's that's where I that's where I interview Angel. I'm gonna interview her right there on the court. Perfect. And I'll have her on the uh, the show tonight um, for news. Perfect. Good. All right. There you go. So peace yeah. out. So peace out. Happy birthday from C. Win. Hey. When it comes to birthdays, my friend, do you, do you are you one of those that it's more about celebrating the 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 decade ones, right? Like the thirty and the forty, and then once you get, you know, God forbid, you get up to to five zero. But is it more more important than are those birthdays more important than the decade ones? Or hey, it's thirty five; it's still a big deal for you, brother. You know what, man? Honestly, I never I never used to say anything about my birthday. Uh-huh. I never used to um, really even really celebrate at all, man. Which, uh-huh. But last year, a bunch of people at my job got mad at me because I didn't say it was my birthday. So this year, I was like, you know what? I'll go ahead and say it and kind of take a, a clue from my wife and be like, you know what? I'm celebrating my birthday. So just every year, man, I think from now on, I'm going to try to, I'm gonna try to enjoy it, man. The fact, because there's a lot of people that aren't making it. You know, once you get up in the 35s, man, um, it gets to be real. Yeah. You know what I mean? I lost a classmate. Honestly, I lost a classmate like two weeks ago. Hit me hard. I'm like, goodness gracious! Like this is this is wild, man. So I'm happy to be here, man. I've been through some things, and uh, you know, th- like I said earlier, man, 35 never looked so good, man. So I'm happy about it, man. Man, uh, C. Win and I are looking <laughs> and back, saying 35. Yeah. Well, let, let's turn back the clock, man. Come on, man. Let's go back. I mean, you're only 40, TC. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> you're only 40, man. Stop I love it. it. I love it. All right, B. Sal, uh, News Three Sports Director, doing his thing. Raiders. Monday night. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the news wow. three coverage for Monday night, the first regular season game with fans at Allegiant Stadium. Oh, and by the way, it's Monday Night Football. Oh, by the way, it's the Baltimore Ravens and John Harbaugh <laughs> and Lamar Jackson. Uh, let's go, baby. <laughs> Man, TC, see when? How bananas! 
is Allegiant Stadium going to be on Monday night? Goodness gracious. Like, I'm, I'm pumped right now just thinking about it. Um, I'm, I'm also getting ready to do an interview with Bruce Cunningham. And Bruce Cunningham used to be the play-by-play announcer for the Baltimore Ravens. He's my counterpart at our sister station in Baltimore. I'm headed to the station now to do an interview with him to talk about the game. It's huge out there in, in the DMV area. It's obviously huge here. You know, I, I talked with Eric Allen when I was doing the Raiders show, the weekly training camp show. I mean, anyone surrounding this is pumped. I, I, I can't wait. I mean, it, it's, it's historic. It's truly historic, and we're going to be a part of history. So when you have, uh, you know, the, the interviews or the conversations with your counterpart, there has to be a wager in there, as you know, you know, mayor to mayor and all that kind of stuff, B-Sal. I mean, <laughs> you better get some action with this guy. I mean, what's, what's the dealio? Well, I, unlike you and C. Wynn, I'm not a guy like I don't, I don't bet. Like, I've never actually made a bet. But no, but you made bets bet. with us. With You're not food. afraid to chime in yeah, though with an opinion. You know, I mean, food yeah. bets. Yeah. I mean, you know, these are these those are customary things, man. That you you have to do no, to support. I'm, yes, what I was going to say <laughs> is, yeah, I don't make bets in like sports books, but these kind of bets I'm all in for. So right. yeah, no, that's a very good idea. I think I will. Um, I think I will ask them something like that. Hey, I will make a bet, and if they if if the Raiders win then you have to go on air or have me on air, you know, I don't know. Uh, you have to wear a Raiders hat or jersey. Yeah, no, you got to dig deep, B-Sal. Do I need to produce uh, your segment for you now? I mean, you got to go deep. There has to be some food <laughs> shipped over. I mean, Baltimore's got some great restaurants, some Ooh, great foods. you got to go that cake. routine. Crab cake. There you go. There you go. Oh, there you go. Now, here's the yeah. deal. I'm going to produce this segment for you, and it's going to be award-winning, and uh, there you go. Uh, and make okay, sure I get you, a, make sure I get a piece of uh, you know the, the trophy that you're going to get or you know uh, the accolades. So here we go. There it is. It's like this. So you go ahead and you make the food wager, but it's encompassed with you appearing or he appearing with you or whatever. Uh, you know, donning this you know whatever you know eating the food or have it in front of your face there in the team gear. And I think now you got yourself a segment, brother. Okay. Okay. Now, how, right, how would you, just have, now how would you look in purple though? That's what I want to know. How do you look in purple? I look I look player in purple. I know, right? Well, what kind of question is that? I, <laughs> matter of fact, <laughs> thank you, Numbshuck. I've got a bunch of purple I have a purple suit. Matter of fact, I have, I've got two of them. Of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. He's got the guy has a pink suit. He's got every suit. Exactly. He's got the he's probably have a purple flower to go with that tonight, too. Of course I do. I'm not wearing the purple today. But I will have a purple suit. You know what? That's a, actually that's a good call. Like maybe uh, if I lose, I got to wear the purple suit on air or something like that. And, and I don't know. No, but yeah, no. you got to wear a, 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 a something Ravens. You got to go. You got to show up that thirty-five-year-old body, and you got to you, you got to you got to put it on, put the Ravens thing on. But that again, B Sal, don't worry about it because you're not losing. I like the Raiders in this spot. I actually think the Raiders get the job done. I mean, they got the job done last year against the Saints on this exact same situation where not many people were giving them a shot. Drew Brees came into town. And again, here's the thing. Gus Bradley, he beat this team in the playoffs when he was the Chargers defensive coordinator. He knows how to defend uh, Lamar Jackson. He's done it twice. So I'm thinking you're okay, brother. I, I, I completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. I think that the Raiders do win this game as well. And, man, I swear you've been listening to me talk about this because 
I said the exact same thing. The Raiders showed up huge in a game against the Saints, a game that they were not supposed to win at all, and they won that game, primetime television, their opener at Allegiant Stadium. I think they do exactly the same thing this time as well. Um, the defense will be more improved. You know what I mean? More improved. And, uh, yeah, I, I, the silver black all the way on Monday night, so I agree with you. Yes, I do uh, all my show prep, uh, watching B-Sal do Sunday <laughs> sports night and every night. That's how we do our show prep. <laughs> of course. And then why wouldn't you? <laughs> so, B-Sal, talking about this game coming up on Monday night, let's talk about this offense, okay? Derek Carr is going to lead this offense, heads into his eighth season as a starter for the Raiders there, coming off a season full of career highs last year. Solid when it came to numbers last year. Obviously, Darren Waller is going to be his top target. But what do you think about this offense? What should the expectations be for the likes of guys like Derek Carr and also Henry Ruggs III? This guy seems to be someone that's talked about. We want him so bad to show the potential that he has. Is it going to be the season where we see Henry Ruggs break out as a receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders? You know what? A few things that you said. One, Mm -hmm. D.C. I think this is a year that D.C. gets Raider Nation off his back. And they realize that he is the furthest thing from the problem with this team. Mm -hmm. The reason that they lost games because their defense has been horrendous. Has nothing to do with Derek Carr. Nothing to do with Derek Carr. So, I think that he has another good year. And I think he actually gets some some proppers from Raider Nation this season. Henry Ruggs III, I think that he has a much better year than his rookie season. The fact that he had a training camp, you know, he can use that as a question if he wants. If he, want. he also put on, I think he said, 15 pounds of muscle. He was way too small to play with the grown men. He thought that the SEC and the NFL is the same thing, and he's going to come in here and dominate and think that, you know, he was going to be able to do it on athleticism and, and alone, which was not the case. I think he has a better year, but I think look out for my guy, man, the power of Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Brian Edwards, the kid out of South Cadillac, man. I think he has a good season. He had that injury last year. He's already got the body. He's physical. Uh, I think he has a really good season. He may even have a better season than Ruggs. I think he will be – I think he'll show to be the guy that they go to when Darren Waller is, um, is double covered. Uh, translation for our audience, that would be South Carolina. Okay. So just, <laughs> <laughs> South Cackalack, man. Come on. I know where you're going. I know exactly what you're saying. North Cackalacky, South, South Cackalacky. I got you, man. That's, that's what we're talking yeah. about. Though. So what about the coverage, man? What are you guys doing for Monday night? Sunday night, Monday night, well, live. Let's hear it. Yeah, Jesse and I will both be out there live at 3 o'clock. Uh, I'm sure that we'll have, like, some news reporters out there live during the day. But, yeah, we'll be out there live at 3 o'clock, live at 5 o'clock. We'll have something on the air at 6 o'clock. You know the game will be going on. We'll record something. Um, yeah, man, we'll, we'll be out there, man, in the, in the heat, doing our dang thing, as we should be. See, if you're going to be wearing, if you're going to be in the heat, I don't know if you can wear the black, man. You might, you might have to go silver and black, unless maybe you you skewed more silver. Do you got a silver suit? I do have silver. I do not have a silver suit. All right, you want me to hook um, you up? I can I, probably hook you up with a silver suit. You know what? I'm going tomorrow to go try to buy some suits. <laughs> quiet is quiet is kept. Quiet is kept. My anniversary is coming up at Channel Three. In which um, I'm looking to maybe sign myself a new contract, Ooh. which means that I have a little clothing uh, that I need to spend before October like 7th or something like that. I have a couple of dollars I have to spend, so I absolutely will be out buying 
and shopping for suits and shoes tomorrow. Maybe I can get it altered in time to wear on Monday night. We'll see. But I will have a new suit tomorrow, a few of them. All part of the budget, right? I mean, that's all part of the Channel 3 budget. Let's go. I mean, come on. Peace out. you got to work yourself a deal, a clothing deal. I've been telling you this. Don't spend your own money. They're, they're supposed to spend the money on you. Come on now. Well, shh. I'm not spending my own money. Okay, good. That a boy. So, B-South, NFL, hey, I, NFL fans here in Vegas, obviously the Raiders, Ravens going at it coming up uh, early next week. But the season kicks off tomorrow night as the Cowboys and the, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go at it to open up the NFL season, B-South. What are your thoughts on this Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay team? Is there legitimate hype? that they can do it all again this year? Or is it just one of those things where we, hey, they've got Tom Brady there, they've got Gronk there, they've got that quality defense there, and we're just kind of overhyping this team? Uh, I think that they there's absolutely no overhype for mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everything, man, can, please, can people please stop doubting Tom Brady? <laughs> I'm not a Tom Brady fan. I could not stand the New England Patriots, even when I worked in Boston. Right. Um, so, like, I, but you got to give credit where credit is due, man. Mm-hmm. Come on. Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. <laughs> he went to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl at home. I mean, after doing that, like, people better not ever, ever, ever doubt Tom Brady. I'm not in the doubting Tom Brady business. They should absolutely be the favorite. The Cowboys are a team that I love to root against. <laughs> love to root against. So, I mean, they'll get what's coming to them. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers will tap that behind tomorrow uh, in Tampa. Let me go back to this. You're working in the market and you're covering the Patriots. You couldn't stand him. What did they do to you where you couldn't stand him? Now, did you have uh, issues with uh, personnel, front office people, players? What's the deal, oh, man? No. <laughs> No, no, I, I went into that job not liking it. It was a fandom thing, right, B Sal? It was oh, all about gosh, the fandom gosh, thing. Gosh, yes. Yeah. Gosh, yes. It's not a professional this, thing with him. Well, that's no, no, no. Yeah. That's not a professional thing. No. How about this? So I go into the <laughs> go into that job not liking the Patriots. Yeah. My first week of work. First week of work. First day on the job, I get on an airplane and fly to Arizona for the Super Bowl for the for the New England Patriots taking on the Seahawks. Obviously, you know my background. I finished high school, college in Seattle, right? right? So I don't love the Seahawks, but, you know, I kind of like them a little bit, whatever. I, I cheer for them. Definitely cheer for them in that Super Bowl. So I'm trying to get, like, a little bit of social media coverage of the game-winning Super Bowl touchdown that for the, uh, the Seahawks where they give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, and I'm going to send it to my friends and post it and kind of feel like I'm – stunned on them a little bit, feel like I'm cool. <laughs> so what I end up doing is getting the game-winning interception by Malcolm Butler – standing on the sideline, video on my phone, put it on YouTube, three days later, two and a half million views later, (laughs) two and a half million views from getting the video from the interception, and then I have to go on the air that night and talk like I'm happy that the that the uh, Patriots won the Super Bowl. So B-Sal. Live on air. So B-Sal, it'd be like TC. It'd be like, it'd be the same scenario, right? 
if a hardcore dookie ended up getting a gig here in Vegas in television, right? Right. And had to cover UNLV basketball, obviously, right? And then all of a sudden, B-South, correct correct me if I'm wrong, right? And then the the dookie had to witness UNLV just start spanking everybody again and just, you know, making runs at national championships and then, heaven forbid, winning a national championship here at UNLV. That's that's kind of of along the lane. That's the equivalent, right? B-South, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Oh, man, that's that's. That's the equivalent. Or a UNLV fan moving to Raleigh. I almost took exactly. a job in Raleigh. Yep. Can you imagine me covering Duke? And I, I can't stand You know, like <laughs> our age group, you know, I'm 35, but I'm still kind of in your age range, man. So, yep. like us, we all grew up despised. I couldn't imagine getting on television and talking lovely about them. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, man. All right, Brian Salmon, uh, you can catch him uh, tonight, News 3. You can catch him at the Michelob Ultra Arena uh, doing his uh, 6.38 to 6.40 p.m. uh, sportscast (laughs) with my girl Angel McCautry, who you are going to hear from next right here. So good stuff, B-Sal. All right, we'll be looking forward to seeing you tonight, man, and, uh, you know, way from a distance. Happy birthday, Brian. I I will. Uh, thank you, guys, man. I really appreciate it. TC, man, you know you're my guy. Uh, T. Win, my guy. Nunchuck always doing it. When he calls, man, I love to talk to the dude, man, so I appreciate that. Yo, I'm going to listen to your interview with Angel McCartney. I may even steal, like, a gym from you, so I appreciate that as well. <laughs> there you go, brother. Poison, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Bell, Biff, DeVoe, along with B-Sal. There we go, man. All right, take care, brother. All right, guys. There it is. All right, Brian Salmon. Catch him in there. News 3. Check him out. It's about every night. And uh, great Raiders coverage uh, as well, too. And like I said, yeah, he will be at the Michelob Ultra Arena tonight for the Aces and the Minnesota Lynx. Bill Lambeer calling it the game of the year. It is a must win. And uh, playoff positioning, oh, my goodness, it's all on the one here tonight. All right, when we come back, you will hear from Angel McCautry as I talk with her and uh, the celebration about her being part of one of the 25 greatest players in WNBA history. She's a member of the Las Vegas Aces. We got her. We got Sam Gordon. C wins in the house. TC Martin Show on a Wednesday. Pump up the jam! Checking out the fellas, the highs and lows. Keep one eye open, still clocking the hoes. There was one particular girl that stood out from the rest. Poison ass can be the high power chef. Michael Bishop said, and I'm running the show. Bell, Bell, the bow. <laughs> now you know. Hi, this is Bill Lambeer, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. One, two, three, four. Get up, get on up. Get up, get on up. Stay on the scene. Get on up. And joining me now is one of the WNBA's greatest 25 players. And, of course, she is in her second season with the Aces, Angel McCautry. Angel, how you doing? I'm doing great, great. Thank you for having me. So 10 current players named to the W25. What does that mean to you? I mean, it's the ultimate honor. It just shows that, you know, all your blood, sweat, and tears have paid off. I paid my dues um, to be here, and, and it's an honor to be considered with the top players. I've, I've grown up watching, like, Lisa Leslie and, and, and Two Bird, and so it's an honor. You know, when you received the news, what was your initial reaction? And even take us back, how did you get the news, and were you expecting this at all? Yeah, I got a call from Kathy, um, our WBA president, and she told me the news. And I, I was just kind of sat there in shock for a little bit um, because, you know, it's something I needed. You know, this is uh, this is something I needed mentally, fighting uh, my second ACL injury and, and being out 
for so long uh, in the league. So it just goes to show, you know, um, that that I put in the work. You know, um, it's been tough. You know, I took uh, 2017 off, got hurt 2018. Uh, 2019 was still out from the injury. 2020, there's a bubble, and then now 2021 hurt again. So it's been it's been a journey, but I'm glad to see that that hasn't held back from what I've accomplished in this league. I want to talk about that injury here in a minute, but you know while we're talking about this, the 25 greatest players of all the players that you are joined with in this group, is there one or two that really resonate with you? Oh man, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot that resonates. But if I had to uh, pick my top. Um, it would definitely be Maya Moore because she's someone that I had to battle and fight for so long and someone who's given me nightmares since college. <laughs> um, Tamika Cashins, who who's always tough. Um, I like Lisa Leslie too. I only got to play with her my rookie year, but it's just the prestige of playing uh, with Lisa Leslie. Um, man, I got to look at the list. A... <laughs> you know what I mean? If, um, so, yeah, those, those are a couple yeah. that, that really, really resonate. Angel McCautry joins us, Las Vegas Aces, part of the W25, the 25 greatest players of all time in the WNBA. You have an amazing career. Five-time All-Star, two-time scoring champion, seven-time All-Defensive team, two-time Olympic gold medalist. Of all of those accolades, what really stands out for you? I would say they they all equal um, the same amount of pride and um, love behind them but I would say the experience of being an Olympian is something that um, is just so up there it's something you, you just can't take back uh, to, to be able to have memories of, of sitting next to Kobe and um, those kind of things are, are, are just the memorabilia that I would tell my grandchildren so um, I, I would say being an Olympian and just experience the Olympics especially in the Olympics before uh, COVID <laughs> Talking about the injury, it has caused you to miss most of the last three seasons, and like you detailed, you even missed you know the season you know prior to that. How tough has it been for you to go through this? It's been so tough. I mean, um, if I had to, uh, if somebody would have told me that, you know, in my career, I would say, what a joke, you know, to be out for so long. And um, you know, and that's uh, opened up a relationship with me and Clay Thompson. You know, him being out the last few years. Um, I've got to talk with him, and he's been a great influence. Because it's, mentally, it's not an easy thing. I don't, I don't think it's something that is of the norm, you know. But um, that being in the atmosphere of my teammates and, and that kind of thing, it really, really helps. But I would say with this injury, um, it's a lot faster than before, and I'm in a better environment than I was in the first injury. Talk a little bit about Clay Thompson and how well you guys have gotten to know each other. Yeah, um, you know, as soon as I got hurt, he reached out. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I remember those days just hanging there. And um, so he's just become just what a, a, a great friend uh, in my life. Um, so I commend him a lot for reaching out. They, they don't have to reach out, you know right. what I mean? Um, but I appreciate that because we relate. You know, it, it is, it's not easy. I mean, can you imagine what he's gone through to be coming back and then all of a sudden, bam, again. Right. So, um you know, you, you have, I commend all the athletes that have that brought it back, even Kelsey Plum. I, I look up to her and what she's done, and um, she's gave me some great ideas and tips um, on what I can eat in my diet and things that, to help me with this injury. And I think because of Kelsey Plum, I've come back a lot faster um, in my recovery. Going back for a minute about that relationship with NBA players and WNBA players, of course, we see them here a lot to come and support the Aces and all throughout the league. Talk a little bit about that relationship and what it means to to have that support. And I know you guys give it back when and you guys support them and go to their games too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's a no-brainer to go to the NBA game, you know, because it's the right. NBA. But um, for them to come and support and, and um, you know, to make the effort to just uh, just be around us and, and love on us, and it, it goes to show that, you know, we should be respected. You know, don't talk about us because uh, we get a lot of negative um, feedback. Um, but when we have people of influence like them, it helps. And um, I think they've taken more of an interest over the past few years um, in really being there for us and helping us. If you just see what Kyrie has done, uh, donate money to the league. Um, what uh, I forget his name from Milwaukee. He donated his whole salary uh, to Dembe. Yeah, I mean, just things like that have really, really helped um, with, with who we are. Angel McCautry joins us. Talk a little bit about the rehab process that you've had to go through. And again, this isn't the first time, but mm-hmm. specifically, talk about the last few months. Yeah, you know, it was, it's funny because I, I didn't even get a chance to play in a real game yet. Uh, I didn't have I got a chance to play with Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, Liz. So it, it's been tough in that aspect. But, um, you know, it's just one of them things where it's, you, just, you just climb a mountaintop. It's a mountain you got to climb. And it's, it's just taking being having the patience to just get up there. I was really amazed how quickly that you were back even walking and dribbling and doing that sort of thing mm-hmm. and i know you've been through this before but you look fantastic and what you've gone through here i mean your rehabilitation process really had to be sped up here yeah i mean it's, it's a patience game you know with, with injuries um i think that um it's been great having my teammates around to really just be of encouragement um, that helps with the process um, mentally, you know. Um, even with Bill letting me come out in the Atlanta game, yeah. that that's those are the things that just, you know, just help the process so much. And that that meant so much to me for Bill to even do that, and to have the the fans scream. And the only reason I missed that shot is was because I was instructed to stand in the corner and not do anything. I couldn't shoot and do anything. So when the girls passed me the ball anyway, I was like, "What am I supposed to do?" And everybody's like, "Shoot it." And then that's why I didn't make it because I was confused. But if I could have shot it the, the way I know how, I would have easily made it to, so the, the crowd could erupt. You spent 11 seasons in Atlanta, and you guys are back there last week playing in that game. You got a chance to go in. At what point in time did Bill alert you that, hey, Angel, suit up tonight. We might get you on the floor. Yeah, it was, um, you know, before and shoot around. He's like, you want to get out there for 10 seconds? I said, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how it happened. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to try. And um, I was like, it's going to work out. It's going to happen. And um, just to be out there, it, it was oh, just to feel the hard work. Because like I said, I hadn't played in front of fans in over three and a half yeah. years from, from COVID, from being in the bubble, and then the injuries before those years. So to feel the atmosphere of the fans, you, you, nobody will understand for being out that long. You know what is crazy, too, when you think back? I mean, you joined this team last year in the wobble. And you have not played a game in an Aces uniform on this floor here at the Mandalay Bay. That's got to be really difficult for you. And how anxious are you to get back on this court? I'm so anxious. Uh, If I could play right now and say, screw what the doctor says (laughs) or what anyone says, I I would do it. But we know that's probably not good for the ligaments in my knee because it's not completely healed all the way. But, um, you know, I just want to play in Mandalay so bad, you know, um, just so unfortunate, the circumstances. But I know when when my time comes, um, I'll have my chance to play in Mandalay Bay and and, and really do what I know how and, and impress the fans and let them see what I can do to help the team. What is the timetable for them? Did you say you have to wait till next season? You know, the timetable is, is usually it's a six- to nine-month injury, and it's only been four months. And, um, you know, some people have come back quicker, 
if I could have my, a wish list, it would be to come back and play in the playoffs yeah. and, you know, hit the game winning shot to win the championship. And, you know, that's the fantasy. Yeah. You know, we all dream of doing things like that. But if it could become a reality, that would be my wish list. <laughs> What's the best part of being on this team? I think the best part of being on the team is being able to uh, help contribute my leadership with the young girls. Mm-hmm. You know, I see myself and a lot of them when I was young. And it just shows me how old I am now and how much time I have left. But to be able to uh, give guidance to Asia and Kelsey and, and Jackie um, and to, then to see them process it and actually do it, it, it really makes you feel good inside. All right. We're here for the stretch run for the playoffs. I'm going to put your uh, coach's hat on here. How do you feel this team is set right now? Yeah, I think we, we still don't know our identity, and that's um, actually the crazy part about the potential we have. You know, they've still won a lot of games without even knowing who they are yet. You know, and, that, and once they figure it out, it's going to be very, very dangerous for a lot of teams. So um, they're young and they're learning, and we have new pieces, and it's all about just gelling and putting it together. And um, hopefully, you know, by playoff time, they'll kind of have that understanding. All right, Angel McCautry, somebody's got a birthday coming up on Friday. Who's that? Me! (laughs) Virgo Nation. (laughs) There it is. Age ain't nothing but a number, they say, right? It ain't nothing but a number. You know, you age like fine wine. There you go. Uh, Angel, continued success in your recovery. Congratulations on being named one of the 25 best WNBA players of all time. Your presence around here is felt by the players, it's felt by the fans. I know fans can hardly wait to give you a staying ovation and to see you play here on this court, and that goes for myself as well, too. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I can't wait for that day. All right, Angel McCautry getting ready for tonight's game and 6 o'clock at the Michelob Ultra Arena, Mandalay Bay, and uh, we'll be playing that uh, interview during the pregame show tonight at 5.30. So, uh, WNBA 25, greatest players in the last 25 years in the history of the WNBA, and Angel McCartry, one of those, a member of the Las Vegas Aces. And again, what is so kind of unique and even strange, and like we talked about, is Las Vegas Aces fans still have not seen her play yet because of the injuries. And it's a shame that they haven't got a chance to see her play because she is so deserved of this accolade of being one of the 25 greatest women players of all time. And there's Sue Bird on this list. There's Diana Taurasi, of course, both of them five-time you know, Olympians. Uh, then, of course, you've got uh, the others, Elena Deladon, Tina Charles, uh, active players, Sylvia Fowles, who you'll see tonight with Minnesota, Brittany Griner, um, uh, Neka Gumake uh, from uh, Los Angeles, Candace Parker from Chicago, and Brianna Stewart, uh, 10 of the 25 players currently, and Angel McCautry. All right, good time to bring in our good friend Sam Gordon, who covers the Aces for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, not to mention so many other things as well. Sam, what's going on, my man? What's up, TC? How you doing? Appreciate you having me. Hey, no problem. So go ahead and chime in. I know that uh, you've been writing about Angel McCautry and this uh, you know prestigious recognition. Uh, give us your thoughts. Yeah, well-deserved, TC, well-deserved. You, you take a look at what she's accomplished over the – what, 12, 13 years of her WNBA career, one of the best two-way players ever, uh, an incredible scorer, two-time scoring champion, one of the best defensive players the league has ever seen um, on the perimeter, and a, and a winner, right? Doesn't have that championship yet, but been to four finals, been the drive, you know, was the driving force of those great, great teams in Atlanta uh, for so many years. And, you know, showcased last year, now even though she's out this year with, with the knee injury, showcased last year that she still has plenty of good basketball left. You know, she's been through this re- rehabilitation process uh, before she understands what it looks like and you know, expect when she returns 
um, to still be a contributing a contributing player. So not not surprised in the slightest when you take a look at her resume, her accolades, everything she's accomplished, and then you watch her play, you watch some of her greatest hits. Um, it makes all the sense in the world why, why she's one of the top 25 players ever. A, a deserving honor um, for sure. And, uh, and, again, I think you know she has uh, plenty of time left to add to her, her accomplishments um, with the Aces. And the thing about it is, even if you're a, a casual WNBA fan – um, you might not know Angel McCautry. And Las Vegas Aces fans, the only thing they know about Angel is you know the stats and maybe hearing interviews like we just did and that sort of thing because she has still not played a game in an Aces uniform on the floor at the Michelob Ultra Arena. And it's, you can see how emotional she was with this saying, you know, I, I'm so anxious, I want to get out there. But uh, you know, fans, I think, uh, Sam, for the most part, they still don't understand what type of player she is and what the Aces got in her. Yeah, for, I mean that's that's definitely a fair point. You see, you know, I think um, playing with the Aces right in Atlanta for so many years, she had to kind of carry the load. She had to be the best scorer. She had to be the best playmaker. She had to be the the, the, the top perimeter stopper on the defensive end. And, and what really impressed me last year, TC, watching her play with with her new group of teammates with the Aces in the bubble, uh, was you got to finally see her off the ball and see her with other great players around her. And I think it unlocked. Uh, different aspects of her game. She's able to come off screens and not have to break down an entire defense by herself and be able to attack the basket, get to her spots with you know limited dribbles. And, and you saw a more efficient player. You take a look at her statistics across the board. The volume wasn't as high, but the efficiency was up in pretty much every category. You look at her per 40-minute per numbers. You look at her shooting percentages. Um, this is a player that, that when she returns, even at the age of 35, I, I expect to be still very, very dynamic. She still was very, very bouncy and spry last year coming off of one um, ACL injury. And, again, knows, knows the ropes, knows what it's like to rehabilitate, knows what it's like to come back from an injury of this magnitude. So uh, when she does get to, to, to play on the Michelob Ultra Arena floor, I think Aces fans and, and basketball fans in general are going to be really impressed by, by who they and what they see. Even, even though she's you know, past her prime and not necessarily the player she once was, she's still, as we saw last year, a key contributor, uh, was a key contributor on her finals team. And there's no reason she still can't be that uh, when when she gets healthy uh, after this recovery. All right, Sam Gordon, who covers the Aces for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Sam, Bill Lambeer says, tonight's game is the most important game of the year. And, you know, I was talking to him earlier. He was saying, I'm sure you did too, that, you know, this he's not shy about saying this. And it's great because, as we know, covering a lot of these teams, coaches, players, they never want to put the that that onus on one game in a regular season saying, well, you know, it's an important game, but I don't want to, you know, freak our players out. And, you know, because what if we lose this game, that sort of thing. I love this because this is the most important game because if they don't win this game tonight, they're going to fall out of the number two seed. And then all of a sudden Minnesota controls their own destiny. Aces are still in the playoffs, but it could be a lot tougher road for the aces. They need to claim one of these top two seeds. Give me your thoughts about Lambeer putting so much on this game tonight. Well, rightfully so TC. And I think you take a look at the, the, the format, right? Since the WNBA adopted this this particular format where the top two seeds get double buys into the semifinals uh four out of the five years it's been the top two seeds in the championship like it's it's extremely uh important to, to, to lock down this seed not only do you get home court advantage in that particular round in the semifinals but you, you never know what can happen in a one game scenario right you see upsets happen all the time you see teams uh that that really really good teams struggle in those kind of settings with that kind of pressure uh, if the Aces win tonight and and sew up that inside trajectory, that number two seed, 
Uh, it's, it's a step closer to getting back to the WNBA Finals. So, uh, it's, I mean, he's all about winning. This organization, where they're at now, uh, in year, what is it, year four already? Year uh, four, Jeez, yep. yeah, it's gone by so quick. <laughs> given the trajectory that they've been on, you know, kind of the natural arc, uh, I mean, there are definitely championship expectations, no doubt about it. And winning um, tonight, it, it would get them one step closer to the championship, even though they still would obviously have to take care of business in the playoffs. That, that these top two seeds are so, 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 so important. Uh, he recognizes that. The players recognize that. Chelsea Gray today said after shoot-around, um, she expects it. You know, she, they're, they're viewing it as a, a playoff kind of game and, and against another uh, great team in Minnesota to whom they've lost twice this year. This is a difficult matchup for the Aces, but with given everything that's at stake, um, I'm expecting a great game tonight between two of the, the best teams in the league with, with several of the best players in the league uh, sharing the floor at Michelob Ultra Arena. And Sam, looking at the matchups on the floor, it's intriguing to say the least. Obviously, yeah, obviously, Cam Beige and both uh, and Clarendon are both going to be out uh, for their prospective teams. But you have Asia Wilson, the reigning MVP, going up probably against uh, a defensive, a clear defensive player of the year candidate, and Sylvia Foles. But a big key, right, could be the the spark plugs coming off the bench, right, for both these teams are going to come into play when it comes to the outcome of this basketball game. Yeah, hundred percent, and and I think that's you know that's what makes this. You mentioned Sylvia Fowles. I think that's what makes this matchup so fascinating. You know, the Aces uh, throughout the course of the season uh, tend to wear teams down with their size, right? They they have the, the best front line in the league when Lynch Cambage is healthy. They have two, um, you know, two of the best best you know five, six, seven players, however you want to rank them. It, it, you know, that doesn't really matter. Two of the best players in the league up front, and that is a load for other teams to deal with. But with Sylvia Fowles up front for the Lynx, uh, they they have an answer to what the Aces want to do. So I, I think it all, for them, it all starts with her, who at, at 35 is still as good as anybody is uh, in the league. And, and like you mentioned, I mean, these are two of the deeper teams. The Aces, of course, have uh, a six-woman-of-the-year six frontrunner with Kelsey Plum. Ariel Powers comes off the bench uh, for the Lynx. is a dynamic player who can score, who can put the ball in the basket. And, uh, you know, two very, very well-coached teams, two physical teams. And I think the expectation is that there's going to be a physical game tonight. When you, when you take a look at some of these players, uh, the styles of play, of course, the Aces want to get up and down, and they want to play with pace. Minnesota wants to slow it down, but when you get in that half court, you, there are two teams that, that, that have a lot of firepower, that have a lot of different ways that can score, and that have the size to, 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 to alter things on the defensive end. So um, it's a fascinating matchup. And it's, you know, regardless of how tonight's game goes, it's a matchup we could see uh, in the playoffs as well. So there's a lot of things to watch. Uh, in this one, and that's why you know got flexed national TV. It's going to be a nationally televised game, and you know one of the most important games of the year, not just for these two teams, but for the league in general because of the seating implications. All right, looking forward to it uh, tonight, six o'clock uh, television coverage, ESPN two tonight. Of course, uh, radio coverage right down the dial from us here. So uh, uh, can hardly wait to to see tonight's game, be part of it, and uh, the Aces in the links uh, for entertainment purposes only. Aces a four point favorite tonight. See win. Entertainment purposes only, right, TC? Of course. I have to say that. There you go. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Sam Gordon was at the UNLV Eastern Washington game um, there on last Thursday night. Sam, we got reported 21,000 were in attendance. Another, uh, you know, sad night for UNLV football. To borrow a line from Scott Frost from, you know, about five days earlier, it looked like the same old movie. What was your take watching UNLV to lose to Eastern Washington FCS school? Yeah, TC, I mean, I think obviously, you know, not the way you want to start the season if you're UNLV. That's the only FCS team on the schedule. It's, it's. I mean, we, we know where they're at in the stage of this rebuild under Marcus Arroyo. And 
that that a lot of these games. I mean, I don't I don't expect them to be favored in you know probably a single game um, this year. So when you have a game like that, an opponent like that, that while uh, being a very very good uh, FCS team, one of the cream of the crop FCS teams, you're still an FC, FBS program playing at home. That's a game you're supposed to win. Now, with that said, I think there are some positives that UNLV can take away. Uh, their defense, granted, again FCS school, we have to keep that in perspective, but. Uh, that was one of the best offenses uh, at in the FCS level. And their uh, Eastern Washington's quarterback, Eric Barrier, uh, a front runner for the Walter Payton Award, was the runner up last year. The Walter Payton Award, the FCS equivalent of the Heisman Trophy, and UNLV's defense forced uh, picked him off twice, uh, had him scr- hurried in the pocket, made him uncomfortable, was able to get pressure, and, and that has to be encouraging. Now, how will that translate this weekend against Arizona State? I'm, I don't know. You know, we're going to have to see. Arizona State's a top twenty-five program in the FBS, but. Just taking a look, you know, using the eye test, the defense looks to be a little bit physical, more physical and faster, uh, and there are playmakers on that on that side of the ball that I think are going to continue to emerge in Mountain West play. I think where the where the disappointment comes is, you know, once again, this offense continues to struggle. Justin Rogers got to start a quarterback. The protection in front of him wasn't great, and when he did have time, uh, struggled to press the ball downfield. That's why you saw the quarterback change going to Doug Brumfield in the second half. A little bit more willing to pull the trigger, uh, go down the field. I think he was able to spark that offense and give them um, some semblance of optimism. And you saw that you know they were able to tie the game and force double overtime. Uh, there has to be some uh, some positive takeaways from the way that they're able to rally. But um, you know, to, to answer your question overall, definitely definitely disappointment, uh, definitely a disappointing loss. Not the way you want to start a season, but for UNLV at this stage, it's not necessarily about the wins and losses. Obviously, you want to win games. You have an opportunity to win a game. You want to take care of business, but they're still at the point where uh, it's about improvement. It's about the little things. It's about getting faster, getting more athletic, developing, getting getting more familiar with the schemes. And if they can do that over throughout the course of the season, even if it only results in one or two wins, I think you have to take take that as a positive if you're a UNLV fan. Listen to what we're saying here. The, the over-under total is one and a half. And, you know, taking a, a one or two or three wins is going to be a positive for, for the fan base. So, Sam, what was the response, what do you think, from those fans that were in attendance? Because my take was that you had a lot of people going just basically for the ambience. They wanted to get inside the stadium. They probably couldn't afford a ticket for the most part to go to a Raiders game or don't, couldn't get access to a ticket. So they wanted to get the ambience and the stadium experience. And UNLV, okay, you know, at Eastern Washington, not a marquee opponent, but hey, let's go watch UNLV play. Let's get, let them, uh, you know, watch them get a victory. They're supposed to get a victory. They're favored to get that victory, and they don't get that. Do you think people are walking out of there that night and they're singing, you know, uh, enough is enough here that, you know, I, I can't take this anymore because I don't even know if this team is going to win a game. I mean, at what point in time do fans just really say, you know, I just, it, it, it's, it's hard to support this team when we've had basically 30 years. Think about this 30 years of futility. And I hate to say this, but th- those are the facts, right? Yeah. I mean, those are, those are the facts. TC. I definitely think there was kind of a collective, you know, here we go again. Uh, type of energy towards the end of the, you know, at the end of the game when UNLV is unable to convert that two point conversion. But all things considered, I thought the atmosphere, I uh, was a pretty vibrant atmosphere at Allegiant Stadium. I think you're right. You know, the ambiance being a part of Allegiant Stadium, experiencing a game there definitely has to be, um, definitely has to be, you know, something that appeals to UNLV fans at this stage after so many years at Sandboy Stadium. I was impressed by the, the energy at the tailgate. There was, there was, you know, some optimism. And, and again, I think, um, at this point, yeah, it's a, it's a here-we-go-again mentality, mentality amongst the fan base. But with the new stadium and, and at least having a new coaching staff that, that's recruited pretty well and having some young playmakers 
again, I think that the expectations have to be measured and realistic at this point. You're looking at, at some improvement. If there's improvement throughout the course of the season, you're able to sneak in a couple wins. That has to be a successful season. But, yeah, I imagine – you know, if you've been if you've been part of this fan base for a long time, it, it has to feel pretty familiar. It has to be pretty exhausting, and you're looking for the silver linings where you ever you can take them um, whenever you can. So, Sam, looking ahead of this weekend, obviously Arizona State on tap. They head there. Uh, yeah, yeah, you play a tough game against an FCS team, and now oh, get, guess what you get? You get an opportunity to play. Uh, you know, Pac-12 team that's pretty good. What are your anticipations for this weekend and the quarterback position? Because there's a lot of intrigue regarding exactly what's going on with that. Yeah, I think as it pertains to the quarterback, uh, I mean, again, based on what Doug Brumfield showed, I mean, he, he's deserving of the opportunity to start. Uh, it's a big spot for him to to, to make his, his starting debut. You're going on the road against a Pac-12 opponent, a top 25 Pac-12 opponent, um, into a hostile environment. So I, I would expect um, that, that what UNLV is going to do is they're going to they're going to lean on their senior running back Charles Williams, who, uh, believe it or not, is the active leader. Uh, in the FBS in rushing yards with over 3,000, he had 172 against Eastern Washington. And a, a, a quarterback's best friend, or certainly a young quarterback's best friend, is a, is a good running game. So I do expect them to try and establish the run, uh, play slow, limit the number of possessions, and try and get Doug Brumfield um, eased into this game as much as possible. Now, now, with that said, again, this is a top 25 opponent. This is a Pac-12 team um, that has one of the best rushing offenses in the Pac-12. They, the two running backs that you can go to accounted for six touchdowns last week. It's a tall task. There's no doubt that um, Arizona State is, is going to be the bigger, more physical, more athletic um, football team. And, you know, the, the, the line is what it is for a reason. But um, I, I think, again, you're just if you're UNLV, you're just trying to stay in the game for as long as possible, sustain some drives, Maybe if you're opportunistic, you can force a turnover and go from there and, and do your best to hang in the game. But it's, it's definitely a, a tall order for this team, especially after what we saw against Easter Washington. So we'll have to see how everything shakes out. All right, my man. Uh, great stuff. Watch for Sam Gordon's coverage with UNLV all season long and the Aces. And we look forward to seeing you tonight, my man. Thanks, Sam. I'm uh, looking forward to it, TC. Uh, appreciate it, fellas, anytime. There you go. There he is. All right, Sam Gordon. Uh, great follow on Twitter, too, at by Sam Gordon. All right, we appreciate Sam joining us today. Chris Bazio talking some Major League Baseball with us in the Hall of Fame induction with Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, and Ted Simmons. Classic stories there. And C. Win for showing up today. Appreciate you uh, being here, uh, filling for Ballpark Frank, and showing up not wearing just a jock strap and a cup like Ted Simmons and a cigarette. That was classic. I, I love Ted Simmons back in the day, the 80s, baby. The 80s Major League Baseball. Got, That's what I'm talking about. You have a different vision of him, though, now, don't you? We do. I do now, yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, brother. Appreciate you being here today, no man. No question, man. Great and stuff. always a good time and always an opportunity to jump on with UTC as well as Nubchuck. Fun wow. stuff, my uh, friends. All right. Go check him out there. Follow him there at Christian Wynn on Twitter. Uh, very active and uh, appreciate it. Yeah. All right. For Nubchuck, T.C. Martin saying so long, and remember, you know where to go. TCMartinShow.com for all of the past interviews. Check out the classic interview page. We've got our little blog up there, the interview, and uh, uh, everything's up there with Trevor Maddich and uh, Angel McCautry will be up there very, very soon. We talk about UNLV football as well. It's all at the website at TCMartinShow.com. Tomorrow, T.J. Reeves joins us live from Tampa. Opening night, NFL, the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. We'll talk to TJ Reeves, Scott Spritzer, Chuck Esposito. Hit both sides of the betting counter tomorrow. That and a whole lot more coming your way. Have yourself a good evening. We'll catch you mañana at 2.